Good morning, Harvest Bible Fellowship, friends and family alike. We're so glad to see each and every one of you here this morning. I uh, hope you've had a good week, and uh, all I can say is, I've had better weeks. <laughs> it just seems like uh, every once in a while that uh, as, as uh, things happen, you know, if Satan can't attack the church, sometimes he attacks the family, and sometimes he attacks uh, things that you're trying to do, and it just seems like uh, it's been one of those weeks where there's been a, just a lot of attacks, And uh, but I know that God's, God is greater than the enemy, and he says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, and so despite struggles and difficulties, God will prevail, and uh, so anyway, I'm looking forward to a new week with maybe a little bit less struggle, a little bit less attack, and uh, we'll see what God does this week. And uh, you know, it's good just to have a cup of, oh, look at that, Compass Care. Hey, Jim Harden, maybe you're watching, maybe you're not. Becca, Compass Care. Sometimes coffee just tastes better out of certain cups. Maybe it's because who we're supporting, at any rate. <laughs> Anyway, good to see all of you that are coming on. Um, boy, it just seems like lately we have uh, friends from all over the place. We have friends in uh, Indiana and Mississippi, here in New York, other parts of New York, uh, Michigan. Um, lots of friends in Indiana. So, yeah, we're, we're seeing people come on from all over the place. It's good to see each and every one of you. And uh, I do uh, appreciate your taking the time to, to come in live with us. It's been a great morning already. Mike had a great uh, Sunday school lesson. Uh, you can go back and watch uh, if you have some free time. And then Pastor Jim gave a great devotional on sheep's and wolves' clothing. Uh, it really is a good good message and well supported in Scripture and something that we need to take uh, take guard of. Happens in our churches from time to time, and uh, so I encourage you to go back and watch that. And uh, yeah, so anyway, I hope you're all doing well. And uh, hope that you're encouraged. Before we get started here too much, I do want to take a minute just to pray and ask the Lord to work in our hearts and draw us closer to Him. And as we do that, uh, I invite you to pray with me. So let's let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to come before you. And Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity, Lord, to call on your name because Lord, you alone are worthy. You are omnipotent, most powerful. You are omniscient, you know all things, you are omnipresent, you're everywhere that we can be and where we cannot be, you are there. And Lord, I just want to say thank you for all that you have done, Lord, for giving us the hope of heaven through Jesus Christ, Lord, for your daily mercy, your daily grace, Lord, your forgiveness, your patience, Lord, all those things that you bestow upon us and do for us each and every day, Lord, help us not to take them for granted. And Lord, I just pray that we would just daily be reminded to look to you and uh, Lord, just to put you first in all things. Lord, I pray that wherever the word of God is going forth this day, Lord, that your will be accomplished. Lord, that wherever your word is proclaimed, Lord, that the, the proclaimer might be true to your word and uh, proclaim those words that you not only say, but Lord, how you intended them for, to be said. So, Lord, that we are accomplishing what you would have us to accomplish through the proclamation of your word. And so, Lord, I just pray that uh, whoever is under the hearing, is in hearing of the word of God this day, Lord, may it accomplish your intended purposes. 
Lord, I do pray that you would bring encouragement where encouragement is needed. Uh, Lord, bring conviction where conviction is needed. And I pray that you would be glorified in all things. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Well, before we get started this morning, um, uh, I just want to encourage you uh, that uh, we are going to be uh, um, looking at... uh, well, Something Needs to Change by David Platt over the next months. Uh, I'm kind of going through a pilot group, uh, a pilot study of that on my own, and uh, really being challenged. Uh, I encourage you, if you've not uh, gotten the book yet, if you've not read it, you need to order that. It's on Amazon. Uh, I can send you the link if you message me. Uh, but it's a great book. I've been really challenged by that, and something does need to change. You know, everyone's excited about coming back to church, and I am as well. Uh, The church never quit. I hear so many people saying, well, this is persecution. It's not persecution. The bottom line is we have the freedom to continue to preach and teach as we ought, as we want to. Nobody's saying that we can't preach, that we can't teach. Uh, We still have the freedom to do that. It's just in a different format. It's online. And I'd much rather do it in person with all of you and give you a hug as you come to the door, but things are not as such right now so we have to find other ways to do that but uh so something does need to change as far as how we are handling our evangelism and our outreach and sharing of the gospel and this book has been really challenging to me as a pastor and as an individual to simply uh, make sure that i am being open to what the holy spirit has for me to be open to and i find in my own life that every time i make a commitment like this Every time I challenge, am, am challenged by the Holy Spirit to do a better job of this, it seems like the onslaught of attack comes. It, literally every time. And I just feel like we have to just plug away and go through that and, and to press on and to not give up. Because the easiest thing in the world is to quit. Gina, if that's one you want to find, uh, make a statement out of, the easiest thing in the world is to quit. So uh, let's not quit. Let's not be quitters. So let, let's carry on and do the work that God has promised to do in and through us. And the, and the reality is this. In Philippians 1, six, he says this. Being confident of this very thing that he who starts a good work in us will what? Complete it. And so if God is going to do his part, let's be faithful to do our part. Let's not quit before it's over. So uh, let's stay faithful and make commitments and live by them and, and just press forward and to, to not give in. And, uh, and really, that's kind of what we're getting to in this study here. As we come to the end of this, uh, this passage here in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, if you would take your Bibles and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. And I'm just going to take a moment and read through the entire passage, beginning in chapter 4, verse 9, through the end of the chapter. And this is the last uh, message in 2 Timothy, and it's been a powerful, to me, challenging um, book to preach through. I've never done that before, but it's been really encouraging. But in verse 9, it says this, Make every effort to come to me soon. Because Demas has deserted me, since he loved this present world, and has gone to Thessalonica, Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia, only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you, for he is useful to me in ministry. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus, 
And when you come, bring the cloak I left in Troas with Carpus, as well as the scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did great harm to me. The Lord will repay him according to his works. Watch out for him yourself, because he has strongly opposed our words. At my first defense, no one stood by me, but everyone deserted me. May it not be counted against them, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that I might fully preach the word and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from the every work and will bring me safely into the heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Great Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus, Erastus has remained at Corinth. I left Troph Trophimus and sick in Miletus. Make every effort to come before winter. Eubulus greets you, as do Putins, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers and sisters. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you all. Now, let me just kind of say something a little bit humorous as we get started. I, I don't know any anyone that would want to be have, I guess, have these names being read out, and that would be your name. Hey, Putins, come over here. Uh, or, hey, uh, you know, what are all these names? Uh, Linus and... Uh, Claudia and all these different names and uh, you know kind of interesting names that uh, that that Paul is talking about, but these are all people that he's known and uh, have known him. And uh, so as we get started here, I, I've entitled this last message in Second Timothy chapter four: Final Thoughts. Um, it's kind of a, a smorgasbord of things that Paul is saying at the end of his life as he's sitting in this jail, and things that really some of them we can really apply. And some of them are just good for our information to know what he was thinking, to know what was going through his mind as he was nearing the end. And uh, we talked about last week how we, he finished the race that was set before him. May we be faithful to finish the race that God has set before us. So as we come into this last text of Scripture, the Apostle Paul is nearing his final days. And in these moments, he was making a plea, not as it would seem for himself, but for the cause of Christ. Uh, it'd be very easy to, to say, boy, you look at that very first phrase in verse 9, make every effort to come to me soon. It'd be very easy to misconstrue that statement and to say, well, Paul is just worried about himself. He wanted all the visitors he could get in these last days, and he just wanted it to be about himself, and he, you know, he, you know hurry, hurry up and come to me. But that's not at all what, what Paul is implying here. Uh, I, I don't know what might be your final request at the end of your life. It might be something like this. Hey, please, please, please take care of my family. Boy, I, 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 there's nothing I can do for you, but would you, would you take care of my kids? Would you make sure that they're clothed? Would you make sure that they have food? Would you make sure that they get a good education? What would be going through your mind at the final days of your life? What seems like a selfish request on the part of Paul was actually very unselfish. It was not for himself that he wanted Timothy to come to him and for one final prison visit, if you will. It was really to give a final word of instruction. Hey, what I've got to tell you is so important. You need to get here. It's not to come see me. It's not because I just want to see you, although those are wonderful things. We're experiencing that right now. Paul is separated from his friends, and many have deserted him. But the reality is he wanted Timothy and those to come near him so that he could give those final words of encouragement, those final words of exhortation. So this is not at all a selfish uh, request for, for Timothy to come see him. It was really unselfish, because he knew that he had a message that needed to go out. And quite honestly, at this stage of his life, 
he had to depend on others to get the message out because he was going to be uh, leaving this earth soon. So still, at the end of his life, he was not thinking of himself, but rather of the impact that the gospel might have. So the first thought was, make every effort to come to me. And then number two, consider Demas. This is interesting here, that Paul makes mention of Demas. And I personally believe that Paul does this so that we can learn from the situation. Um, as you look at this, in chapter nine, uh, 4, verse 9, I'm sorry, verse 10, he says, Because Demas has deserted me, since he loved this present world and has gone to Thessalonica. The Bible doesn't tell us a whole lot about this circumstance, but Paul does not mince words here. We know that from only, well, Demas is only mentioned three times in Scripture. And the first time, he's on a missionary journey with Paul. And, uh, but for whatever reason, the Bible does not tell us every detail, but he chose, for whatever reason, to depart. But those are the very words that Paul uses. He deserted me. He went on because he loved the present world. In other words, the things of this world were more important to Demas than was serving Jesus Christ and proclaiming the word that Paul was doing with others. Uh, Demas loved the present world. And Paul doesn't miss, mince words here. In fact, if we were to take a moment, and I do this often as I'm preaching, I remind us of what this world has to offer because all of us uh, have a very, I guess if we could say it honestly, a tendency to love the things of this world. I mean, who doesn't love a nice home, a nice bed with warm covers, and in the summertime, an air conditioner with cool air, or a nice car that gets us from point A to point B? Or things like nice computers, a nice TV, a nice couch to lay on. We like nice things. But all too often we can become entrenched in the things of this world. And God's word reminds us. Do not love the world or the things in the world. 1 John 2.15 If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And what Paul was reminding us here, he says, Demas had forsaken me. He actually deserted me because he loved the world more than he loved the things of God. And before we get too hard on Demas, I wonder if that doesn't happen in our own lives as well. Where we can go a day or two without spending time in prayer. A day or two or three without reading God's word. And for many of you, maybe it's a whole week. Maybe you just kind of wait from week to week to say what, see what preacher might have to say on Sunday and you get your fix for the week. Shame on us. Shame on us if that's all we do. You see, that shows that we love the things of the world more than we do the things of God. If we don't have a vibrant relationship with the Lord, if we're not even in the difficult... I'm telling you, when I have an argument with my wife or I have an argument with my kids, the last thing I want to do is just turn around and just read the Bible and get spiritual all of a sudden. I'm just telling you, Satan will fight. And the reality is when we least want to spend time in God's Word, when we least think we need to spend time in God's Word, is when we actually need to be in God's Word. And that's what we need to be practicing day in and day out. And if we're not doing that, yes, we are walking in the flesh and not in the Spirit. And if we're not in God's word, it shows that we love the things of the world. The things of the world are more important by where we spend our time, where we spend our money, where we spend our talents, what we do with our, uh, you know, the, all the things that God has entrusted to us to steward. What we do with them really tells God and ourselves where our importance lies. 
And so we need to make sure that we're not loving the world more than the things of God. So he says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So very clearly from God's word, he says, if we don't love God more, it will show by our actions. And then he goes on and says, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of one's possessions, the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is of the world. So the things that we love that are in this world are rooted in the world. They're not rooted in God. They're not rooted in the, in the heavenly things. They're rooted in the world. And he says in verse 17, And the world with its lust is passing away. But the one who does the will of God remains forever. And let me just say, I didn't really intend on going here, but look at verse 18. Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. By this we know that it is the last hour. Things are getting desperately different. And we have to make up our mind now more than ever that we are going to live for the things of God, not for the things of this world. So let's make up our minds. And that's why I believe that Paul makes it a point to emphasize what Demas had done, not just to say, wow, look at him. We can all do that. We can all look at people around us and say, why aren't they serving God? Why are they doing what they're doing? But Paul just simply reminds us, hey, don't be like this. Stay faithful. Do what's important to God. Live for him. So whatever you think this world has to offer, it cannot offer what God can offer. Let me say that again. Whatever you think this world has to offer, it cannot offer what God can offer. Everything in this world goes from bad to worse. Think about that. Everything that you can possibly buy, obtain, get, be given, give, goes from bad to worse. I've never bought a, a set of tires for my vehicle that got better. I've never bought a water heater that got better after 25 years. I've never put a roof on a house that only got better in time. Uh, I don't care what it is. Anything that this world has to offer, it will go from bad to worse. It may start out as good, and then it's going to get less good, and then at some point it's going to get bad, and it's going to need replacing, and it's going to go from bad to worse. But let me tell you, everything for the child of God with an eternal perspective goes from bad to great when we die all this in this life is over every disappointment every trial every circumstance everything that you would never pick that you would never choose everything that you would never enjoy on this earth is not going to be in heaven because god says in his word nothing will enter into heaven that defiles man heaven will be beautiful it will be perfect it will be the wow the culminating point of life as we know it, where we get to spend eternity with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So everything in this life that we think is good, it cannot compare to the least of heaven. So what do we have to look forward to? Everything that this life cannot offer. And Demas is only mentioned three times in the scripture. But what we remember of Demas is that he left doing the work of God because he rather lived for the things of this world. So, what might you be remembered for? You know, all of us have a given span of time called life. Unfortunately for some, it's a few days. Babies are born and they pass away, unfortunately. 
for some, it's maybe early 20s and late 30s, maybe a sickness, a cancer, a disease, an illness. For some, it may be later in life, maybe they're in the 50s or 60s and they die in a car accident. For some, it's, as God says, a life well rewarded, three score years and 10, 70. And for many, it's bonus years after that. But the reality is, we all have a time frame. And in the time frame of eternity, just a speck. Demas was remembered for having departed the work of the ministry to live for the things of this world. What will you be remembered for? When your name is mentioned, hey, John, oh, yeah, I remember he, or Susan, Oh, yeah, I remember that day she, what will you be remembered for? Might, by the grace of God, we may we be remembered for doing what's right, for being faithful to the end, for staying constant as God is. Wow. Number three, final thought. So he says, make every effort to come to me, not for himself selfishly, but unselfishly, so that he could exhort one more time to carry out the gospel and the work of the ministry. Final thought number two, consider Demas. Let's not be like him. But number three, he says, only Luke is with me. I think this too is interesting that Paul mentions Luke. Uh, Luke stayed with Paul, uh, possibly to encourage him to be an ear or to possibly console Paul in his last days. Oh, to have a Luke who will be faithful by your side. I think there are times that God gives us a Luke and we don't recognize it. Because we're self-sufficient. Kind of have the idea I don't need anybody. There's times that I overlook the Lukes in my life. Sometimes it's my own wife. I want to do my own thing. She's trying to help me and encourage me and come beside me. And I'm like, eh, I got this, I got this, I don't need this. Sometimes it's my kids saying, hey dad, you need to. And I kind of overlook it. But practically, I know this is not what he's saying here. But he says, only Luke is with me. And we see that in 2 Timothy 4, verse 11. It says, only Luke is with me. Paul was by himself. And really, I want to encourage us to let some Lukes in beside us. I want to encourage us to be a Luke to those that may need a Luke. I want to encourage us to do what's right in these circumstances when it comes to those who are with us. Um, to notice who the Lukes are and to be a Luke. Because we all need a Luke. And maybe God is calling you to be a Luke to somebody. But I thought it was important because Paul, in these days, in, a, in this jail, he says, come to me. i got this exhortation I want to give you. And right now only Luke is with me. Um, I can't imagine being alone at this stage in his life and not having a lot of people see a lot of us are experiencing some of this because of this junk that's going on right now the coronavirus there are those who because by nature they're not married they don't have kids at home they might be elderly they need someone to be a Luke to them they need somebody to encourage them somebody to come beside them to lift them up while they're down this is difficult days that we're living in. And so we need to make sure that we, as Paul reminded his reader, hey, Luke's with me. We all need somebody. So 
I don't know if that's the whole reason that Paul mentioned that, but it's a reminder that we all need that. Number four, he says, bring Mark with you. Bring Mark with you. And I think this is awesome. I really think this is awesome. Paul had softened a bit at this stage in his life. Uh, there was a time when Paul was upset by the actions of Mark. In fact, if you would, just take your Bibles and turn over to, to Acts chapter uh, 15, if you would. Uh, Acts chapter 15, just back a couple books and a couple pages there. Acts chapter 15. And I want to read you a passage here. Maybe you've heard this before, maybe you haven't. But I want to begin reading from verse 36. This is where Paul and Barnabas, as they had been ministering together, they kind of part ways. And there's kind of a little bit of a sharp disagreement between Paul and Barnabas. Over who? Mark. And so after some time, verse 36, after some time had passed, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go back and visit the brothers and sisters in every town where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take along John Mark, but Paul insisted that they should not take along this man who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone on with them to the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company, and Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed off to Cyprus. <clears throat> but Paul, verse 40, chose Silas and departed after being commanded by the brothers and sisters to the grace of the Lord. He traveled to Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Now here's a, a lot of, a lot of uh, thoughts go through my mind regarding this particular passage of Scripture. One thing is obvious. There's a disagreement between Paul and Barnabas. Here are two men that are mentioned in Scripture over and over again. Barnabas is the son of encouragement by his very name. He's an encourager. And he is encouraging Paul to take John Mark with him on this journey. And Paul, uh, even in his own life, having received much grace and mercy, says, no, I don't want to take him. And so they part going their separate ways. Well, here's what I want you to get from this passage here. Number one, the Bible does not tell us why Mark did not go on that specific trip with Paul. Why he had deserted, why he stayed in Pamphylia. Uh, but because he didn't, Paul was upset. He said, well, he, he, he left before and now he's going to leave again. And, and, you know, I just don't want to take him again. But the Word of God does not tell us why he left. Can I just say this? There are times, even in doing good, that a break is needed. I know that by the very words of what was taking place in the Word of God, uh, Mark did not abandon his faith. He was not like we talked about in the life of Demas where he had loved the present world. God's Word doesn't talk about any of that. It just says that he did not go on this particular trip, and Paul was upset about it. But we don't know why he didn't go on this trip. Maybe he needed a break. Possibly Paul or Mark just needed a break. Maybe to get healthy. Maybe to tend to his family. Maybe to just get rest. But God's word doesn't tell us that he quit his faith. That he quit serving the Lord. Just that he did not go on that specific trip. So let's not read into the scripture any more than what the scripture gives us. Sometimes a break is needed. Extend the grace where we can. But here's what's beautiful. Paul had obviously changed his mind concerning Mark. How do I know that? Let's go back to our text. He says this. 
Bring Mark with you, for he is useful to me in the ministry. So for whatever circumstance that he did not go on that particular trip with Paul, he did go with Barnabas and end up proving his value to the work of the ministry. Sometimes our greatest value comes after rest. Sometimes our greatest value comes after a break. Sometimes the greatest value comes from just slowing down. Something that we don't often learn early enough. But in these final thoughts, Paul had come around to the idea of telling Timothy, Hey, bring Mark with you. He is useful to me for the ministry. And not only to Paul, but to the Lord Jesus Christ. Number five, watch out for Alexander the coppersmith. And if I could say it, Pastor Jim shared with us a devotion a little bit earlier about sheep's and wolves' clothing. Or wolves in sheep's clothing, excuse me. The reality is there are those that will creep in and they will lead you astray if they get a, a half a chance to do it. Paul is reminding them here. As we read God's word, verse 14, Alexander the coppersmith did a great harm to me. The Lord will repay him according to his works. But watch out for himself. For Watch out for him yourself because he strongly opposed our words. Paul wanted to once again remind them as they came to make sure that you're being careful because there are going to be those who will try to lead you astray. There will be those who will twist your words. There will be those who will only take bits and pieces of what you said to make it sound what they want to hear. They will misconstrue what you are saying. They will misconstrue what is happening. They will misconstrue and uh, make, make it sound like it's something completely that it's not. So we need to be careful here. We need to be careful that we are on guard for those that uh, are teaching wrongly. So be careful. Be on guard. Make sure that we are standing firm. And he says, watch out for Alexander the coppersmith. Along the journey, there are going to be those who will lead you astray. Paul's warning of this such man. Number six. Everyone deserted me, but the Lord did not desert me. I love that phrase. I love what's happening here. Um, he says right away here in verse 16, At my first offense, no one stood by me, but everyone deserted me. The reality is, there are going to be times that you feel alone. You have to know this. There are going to be times when you feel absolutely 100% alone. At these times, you may not have a friend to call. You may not have a friend to drive to. But who you do have is Jesus Christ. Who you do have is someone that you can call on whose name is Jesus. And we need to make sure that we are standing strong with Him. Standing firm with Him. Um, in God's word, in Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 6, he reminds us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Over and over, God's word, in fact, several places in scripture, he reminds us of that. Uh, so we can be assured that God in his word reminds us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse 5, he says this, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or abandon you. What a reminder. If God says he'll be with his children, he will be with his children. 
So even though you may feel alone, even though there was times that Paul felt alone in the jail as he was on the uh, on a journey doing the work of the ministry, there are times that he felt absolutely alone, but he knew in the back of his mind he was not alone. Psalm 37 and verse 28 reminds us, he says, He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He'll not leave us. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, he said, He'll never leave us nor forsake us. In times like these, when we feel alone, we have to rest in what we know, not in what we feel. We need to remember to trust what we know, not what we feel. Number seven. He says, even though everyone deserted me, even though I felt alone, I know that God's with me. But as you come, bring my cloak, my scrolls, and parchments when you come. Uh, at this point in Paul's life, he only had a few simple requests. And once again, these are very simple. Uh, it has been said, even though it might have been spring or early summer, it was not very warm in the prison cell. So Paul made a few simple requests. Number one, his cloak is something to keep him warm. It's just a little something to keep him warm. He says in the reading in here, he says uh, um, in verse uh, 15. I'm sorry, verse 13. When you come to me, bring my cloak I left in Troas with Carpus. So make sure you get a hold of Carpus. I need, I, I need my cloak back. Uh, then I need my scrolls, and especially the parchments. So his cloak, something to keep him warm. His scrolls, something to read. And his parchments, something to write, write on. See, Paul was planning on being faithful to the end. Even though his life was coming to an end, he wasn't stopping. What few simple comforts he may have had may have been coming from a cloak that he would somehow use to keep himself warm. Uh, his scrolls, something that he can continue to read and feed. Maybe it was the Old Testament scrolls. Maybe it was something else we don't know. Parchment, something to write on, something to use. But here's the thing. Paul had been through a lot at this stage in his life. Let me read through this passage one more time. and I want you to pick up something. Beginning of verse 9. Make every effort to come to me soon, because Demas has deserted me since he loved the present world. He's gone to Thessalonica to live. Crescens, here's another individual, has gone to Galatia. Titus, another individual, to Dalmatia. Luke is with me. Tychicus went on to Ephesus to carry on the work there. Uh, there was the Carpus in Troas, Alexander, which was not a good man, watch out for him, uh, then he goes on down in verse um, 19, Priscilla and Aquila, household of Onesiphorus, Erastus, he's in Corinth, Trophimus is in Miletus, not doing well, but make every effort to come before winter, Eubulus greets you. As do Putin's, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers and sisters. I think what we can say from that list of names and individuals that Paul had accompanied, uh, met a, a lot of people, accompanied a lot of people, met a lot of people um, in his days on earth. He talked about a lot of people. Some had departed, 
Some were busy serving in other cities. But he says, when you come, make sure that you greet these people. Greet them for me. Tell them I love them. Tell them I care for them. Tell them to carry on the work. Don't stop. You know, here's something to reminder, be reminded of. You can only continue something that you've started. You can't continue something that you haven't started. I think this is a reminder for some to get started. For some, it's just easy to sit back and watch other people do it, quote unquote. It's easy for some people to say, well, so-and-so will take care of it. I'm old or I'm too young. They have more experience. I don't have enough experience. They know what to say. I don't know what to say. I'm just telling you there's a million justifications, a million rationalizations, a million excuses. There's a, there's a trillion reasons why we don't or can't or shouldn't do what we know we should do. But Paul was reminding these people at the end of his life, don't quit now. And remember what we said last week? There's hope when you don't quit. This life is going to end. And as we look back on this life, let's not look back with regrets. Let's not go to the end and say, well, I did my thing and now I'm done. Let someone else carry it out and you sit back until, until you die. I appreciate what Mike said in his Sunday school hour that his mother lived almost to be 100 years old. And soon Mike is about to be 80 years old. And he says, Lord willing, I want to stay faithful until God calls me home. For too many people, they sit back and rest and let someone else take care of it because, well, they can. But Paul is reminding me, these people, greet these people Come to me so I can exhort you with everything that's in me one more time to stay faithful to the end. This message that you have. Think about this. Paul's life was changed. He used to, he had special permission from, from the council to go find those who are part of the way so that he could bring them back and have them persecuted. But when God got a hold of his life, everything changed. He had new purpose, new priorities, new plans. And, and it wasn't about himself. It was all about the one. And we need to be careful that we are living all for the one. And Paul says in closing, I want you to greet some people for me. I want you to greet them. Tell them I love them. Tell them to stay faithful. Tell them not to quit. And then number ten, number nine. The very last verse there. So after greeting these people, he says in verse 22, The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you all. Paul just says, the Lord be with you. I can't be with you. My days are coming to an end. But the Lord be with you. Grace be with you all. What would be our final words on this earth? I think often of that. If you have physical ailments, physical conditions that are not desirable maybe you're living with a cancer maybe you're living with an illness that's irreversible some of us have lived with things that we would never choose my diabetes i hate diabetes i'm so sick and tired of needles tired of pricks and pins in my, my fingers and tired of quarterly or 
you know, more than that, blood draws so they can test you and make sure your blood is okay and make sure your health is okay. I hate all that stuff. But with all that stuff comes thoughts. What if I don't live long? Who will take care of my family? Who will encourage my kids to do what's right? Who will be there to encourage them when they're going through their own struggles? Who will carry on the work that God has started through you? The Lord will. But in our flesh, we think about those things. Paul, at the end of his life, is not saying, Hey, uh, yo, look at me, look at me. Look what I've done, look what I've accomplished. Hey, remember me because I'm so great. Paul wasn't doing any of that. At the end of his life, he was saying, please come one more time because I got a, such an important, I, I, this message is so great, it's so important, it must go forth. I got to encourage you one more time in person. And he says, the Lord be with you. You're not alone. Grace be with you all. He's saying, stay faithful. Stay faithful. Do the work. This is not about you, it's about God. What a challenge to all of us. We need this in our lives. We need to be faithful. These are just some final thoughts that Paul had in the end of this book to Timothy. What applies to you? I'm thinking in my own mind. I don't want to be a Demas. I need to be more like Luke. I need to remember all these people and be warned of people like Alexander the coppersmith. And I need to encourage those who are serving to continue to serve. And I need to be faithful in completing what God has called me to do. Lots of practical application in these final thoughts. And I encourage you to take what applies in your life and implement it into your life. To be the person that God has called you to be to the end. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd work in all of our hearts to draw us closer to you, to be faithful to you, to, Lord, not to be a Demas, to be a bit more like Luke, to watch out for people like Alexander the coppersmith, but to have grace like Paul did in the life of Mark, as we should have in the life of others who may have had a disagreement with. God, might we be the person that you called us to be. Might we be faithful to the end. May we heed these words that Paul gave to Timothy in his final days in a jail cell. Lord, we thank you for your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness your patience in our own lives. And I pray that, God, you'd help us to be like you. And your son, Jesus, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I hope you have a great week. I pray that you will be encouraged to, to live for the Lord this week, to be faithful. And remember, you can't finish what you don't start. And maybe this is a great week for a new start. Um, that was my thought this morning. 
New day, new week, new start. Another opportunity for problems, projects, and praises. Another day to just say, God, I need your help. Fill me with your spirit. So as you go your separate ways today, as you do go about your day doing what you're going to do, encourage you to look back at Mike's Sunday School lesson, look back at Jim's devotional for us, excellent today, and just to implement what God is, God has for you. We've had a great, great opportunity to worship through the Word, a great opportunity to worship with Nick and the music is great today. Thank you, Nick and Becca, for singing and for leading us, for the kids and their input and their role in ministry. Um, thank you for all you do. Church, Lord willing, we'll be able to come together in the next month, maybe six weeks. I don't know. Government Cuomo has us in phase four, which is the end of June. And meanwhile, we've got some painting and some cleaning to do here, and we're going to try to get that done with your help. Hint, hint. And uh, some cleaning of chairs. That whole auditorium is full of dust. And we can social distance here at the church because, well, there's a big auditorium. Pick a corner. And uh, I encourage you to come help with that and uh, do your part in uh, getting ready for our regathering. Uh, the church is not coming back together. The church never left. And so we are going to regather. So I look forward to that. And you have an opportunity to worship online through your giving. So you can go to our website and continue to give that way. And you can give through our Easy Tithe app. Uh, some of you are sending checks to the church. That's great. And some of you are just doing uh, bill pay on your regular online banking. encourage you to do that. encourage you to stay faithful in those areas. Thank you for those of you who have. And uh, you've been faithful. So thank you so much. And have a great day. Bye.